a special edition of the Kings of Anglia Ipswich Town podcast. The transfer window is finally closed. 19 new signings have arrived. More than 20 players have been moved out. And all of that has left Town with an unrecognisable squad from last season and one that is the envy of the vast majority of League One. Stuart Watson and I had the chance to sit down with Town CEO Mark Ashton to discuss the most hectic window in the club's history and have a little look at those deals for Bursant Salida and Sam Morsi on deadline day, as well as just discuss the squad that he and his team have been able to to build this summer and then look at what his next jobs are as he moves on from a, a crazy transfer window and looks at some of the other things he's got in the pipeline at Portman Road. I hope you enjoy. OK, we're here with um, Ipswich Town CEO Mark Ashton. We're in your office, Mark. It looks... Um, Completely different to the last time we came in to do one of these in July. You've not just been busy in the transfer market, you're a, you're a painter and decorator as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I would have hoped when you've, you've come in today, you've started to see some changes inside the club as well. You know, talked about standards. Um, it's amazing what a, a lick of paint does and a bit of a fresh carpet. But we've got to write, drive standards um, right throughout the club, so welcome to my newly decorated office. <laughs> How are you feeling about everything? It's a few days now since the, the window finally closed. We've, we've talked about this average of a signing every five days, Mark, and Sam Morsi... 4.8, you told me. Oh, 4.8. You've got Sam Morsi took you below that. So 4.8, 19 signings in 92 days. Uh, how are you feeling sat here now with it all closed and, uh, and done? Worn. <laughs> <laughs> um... No, we're, I'm good. Um, I, listen, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a little bit tired and my staff weren't a little bit worn. Um, but but I think we're just pleased to have done what we said we were going to do. Uh, there have been some ups and downs and twists and turns uh, over that period of time. But I think we now have a squad, squad which has depth uh, and certainly has quality. We'll go back over the, the window as such um, in, in due course, but can you just paint a picture of deadline day for us? What what was that like for you? Where where were you? Was Is it a case of you and Paul Cook locked in a room together for 18 hours, or how, how did that play out for you? I, I think I think if you, if you talk to my staff, and particularly, I don't know, the likes of Andy Rolls, he, he would tell you Mark normally does not do lastminute.com. Um, so we all knew that as a, as, a, as a leadership team that we wanted to bring those two players in and ideally they would have been done before deadline day I don't like deadlines I think the closer you get to deadlines the more likely you are to make bad decisions so I was based at the training ground that, that day um, we, with Luke, Andy Rolls, Paul uh, coaching staff uh, and analysts um, the, the two deals were well underway these weren't deals that we were starting if you like to motor on, on, on deadline day we were well in advance um, and it was, it was fairly calm um, as ever in negotiations there's one or two heated discussions um, but Paul and his staff were, were fantastic um, you know, they stayed till, till the end just to be around and be be supportive and make sure you've got a cup of tea and a bite to eat. Um, but, but yeah, it, it was it was calm, but probably tense. Um, we, we were waiting for documentation uh, on, on Bursant, um, and we still had a fair bit of toing and froing to do on Sam Morsey with player, agent, and club. Um, I'd like to thank Neil Bowser at Middlesbrough um, for their professionalism and getting that across the line. Um, and, and ultimately, we got there in decent shape. 
How did you celebrate when the window when the window finally closed? Jack Daniels. A glass of JD sat on my own in a dark corner at about five past eleven, I think. Um, no, you, you, you've heard me say this again. It's a, it really is a team effort. So when the window closed, I was on the phone to Luke Rolsey, Stuart Hayton, Paul, his staff, and the media guys here who've worked tirelessly, just to say thank you um, because they've all been they've all been they've all been superb. Um, and that includes you guys because it, it you know it's been a bit of a roller coaster. You guys we've got to know each other over this window, I think, and I think everybody has played their part in delivering a successful window. I believe you killed a phone, didn't you, Mark, over this transfer window? I spoke to you at one stage and you said your phone had taken such a battering it, it just gave up. Yeah, it did. And then we had a little bit of a, a nervous conversation. Me and my, my PA Izzy was. The, the when do we I got really nervous about switching to the new phone because it meant I was going to be offline for half an hour and I was in real panic mode that I'd, that I'd miss a call or the because there's always a deal on, on, on the go but yeah the, the, the iPhone simply stopped have you ever gone on your settings to see how many minutes you've actually been on the phone over the course of the last few months we, 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 there was one day in the window which seemed extremely busy and I remember sitting down in the evening and thinking, how many calls have I had? And, and we, we did a call log. I just went through my call log from when I got up to when I went to bed. I think it was in and out, 84 calls. Um, and then there was a raft of voice messages we hadn't gone back to. And that's in addition to the WhatsApps and the text messages and the emails. It's, if someone could sit on your shoulder in a transfer window, they, they think it was, was, was fantasy. They wouldn't think it was, it was real life. It really is a surreal period. Um, and I must say I'm glad we're in September it's, it's behind us Can we talk about the, the, the deal for Bursant Salina which clearly didn't happen on deadline day that's been in the works for for some time can you maybe run us through what you're, you're able to say about how that deal got done and how you've managed to get a player like that to come and play in League One It was the first one it was the very first one it was before I'd even met Paul Cook um, I remember being at my home in the Midlands um, on a sunny, sunny day, being outside, and Paul was on the phone, and we, we were just starting to introduce ourselves to each other, um, and we 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 both talked about Burson and Selina, and we did, did did we think it was a realistic opportunity? Um, I think you you take a deep breath when you look at his history and where he is. Um, so I spoke to his representatives, who I've known for for many many years. Um, and laid out what we thought could be a plan and my word there were some twists and turns uh, Zoom calls with Bursant, Zoom calls with Bursant and his family, Zoom calls with um, Dijon and I felt we we were getting there um, and then I had um, a text message from his representatives to say Frustrating news, disappointing news. Person had a heart problem, and the first reaction was, "Christ, is he okay?" Then the reality hits that puts a stop on this, and I think both myself and his representatives felt well, we're going to have to revisit this in January. And um, I said to the board, "I said, look, it's disappointing. We are where we are. We'll revisit in January." But we stayed in touch. And we just kept asking how he was, was there any chance? And then, then the report started coming to us that actually that we could get him back fitter if he passed certain medical tests. So we revisited it. 
and it was just perseverance. You know, in fairness to Paul Cook, Paul Paul had to persuade him that this was the right play, place for his football. This is how we played. This is where he would fit in. Um, my job was the contract, the deal, the agent, the numbers, the club, um, the medical teams, um, and we just stayed with it and stayed with it. But I have to say, fair play to him. From that first conversation with Bursant, he was consistent. He wanted to come here. He wanted to come back. That gave us a glimmer of hope, and we just stayed with it, and we got it done. Why do you think he did want to come back? Is it is it what happened here before? Is it what's going to happen here in the future? I think it's a bit of a, a bit of everything. I think look what I've had to do. Sorry, that's wrong. What we've had to do um, with all of the players is we've had to sell them a vision for the football club. You know. Let's be honest, this is where we're at. We're a League One football club, um, but this is the platform. This is the way we're going to play. This is the staff. And the staff have been a really important selling point in this. Is Paul and his, his backroom staff. And I keep going back to it. Andy Rolls, Andy Costin, the performance staff, the way the players are going to be physically and mentally built. And you sell a vision to them. Um, and that's part of what we have to do. We, we have to sell this football club. And... I think when you put that to his previous attraction to the club and his p- p- previous affection for the club, all the stars lined up. Um, but right, right, right until the end, I could not tell you um, this was going to get done. Mark Steed messaged me, I think, 48 hours before the transfer window closed and was the question mark, was Burson, question mark, question mark, question mark. And I responded... Please don't. I don't want to tell you. I don't. I don't want to jinx it. And, and he was great. He said, "Okay, well, tell me in the morning." And even getting the paperwork across the line in the end with people in different places was a real mm. challenge. But you know, everyone at this football club, um, Luke Stewart, Hayton, his representatives, Dijon, the doctors, the lawyers. It was a, a myriad of people involved, and I'm so grateful to all of them for their professionalism because it's brought him back. I've seen the pictures of him walking across the car park towards you at the trading ground. That must have, was that the moment, obviously you'd announced it, you knew he was here, but was that the moment where you were able to breathe on it maybe a little bit when you actually had eyes on him? Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think it was. We had a bizarre period of a, of a couple of hours where I think L- Luke was trying to get hold of him and uh, one of the lawyers was trying to get hold of him to sign some, 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 some documentation and we couldn't get hold of him. Where's, where's, where Dijon was saying no, everything's fine. The agents were saying but we couldn't find, we couldn't find, we couldn't find person. Um, and I think he was, um, I think he was asleep. And and even then, you start, you start to imagine shadows and see stories that done anything. Oh God, someone's come in, someone's consumed us. They're not telling us the full story, and it wasn't. He, he literally had gone for a lie down for a couple, <laughs> couple of hours. So yeah, when we had eyes on him, we were locking the big blue gates. Uh, at the training ground behind him and he, he was going nowhere mm. you've, you've said Mark that you don't really like doing lastminute.com but sometimes deals go to the wire because players don't become available till late on is that the case with, with both Christian Walton and Sam Morsi as well players that you've been interested in for, for a while obviously both players that, that Paul has worked with before sometimes you just have to wait to get players that you want is, is that fair to say? I think it's partly fair to say. Look, Sam Morsey again in those very early meetings, Paul was was ahead, right at the head of Paul Cook's list. Wanted him leader, captain, experience, does what it says on the tin. And Paul was really clear he wanted him. The challenge was we did not believe he was available. Um, 
and you can spend a lot of oxygen and a lot of time on players that aren't available. But what you have to do is keep monitoring the market. So we kept the, uh, you know, a link there, knowing that if he did become available, we would, we would move. Um, and over the last probably four or five days, it became apparent that there was an opportunity. Uh, and as soon as we knew there was an opportunity, we moved swiftly to 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 bring him in. Uh, and again, I think Middlesbrough were, were really professional and helpful in their their approach. We've got a good relationship with Neil Bowser and, and, and Steve Gibson, hence why uh, Coulson's here. Um, and, it, and, it, and it got done. Um, the goalkeeper, again, is one that we've monitored. Uh, there were a handful that we were monitoring. We, were all, we, all, we always felt we were going to need to bring another one in. And there were probably two or three that we could have done. Again, Paul really liked this one because, again, worked with him before. Goalkeeper coaches worked with him before. And as soon as we knew there was a real option to do it we went and did it so these late signings are in no way influenced by the the early results these are players that you you always had your eye on and would have done regardless of of what the results would have been uh, at the absolutely start. paul uh, as, as you know it's been reported without me going into names that we wanted a an experienced holding defensive midfield player um we were really clear from day one we wanted another goalkeeper in the door um, so no again I, I, it's very unlike me to wildly change the plan at, at, at the end and I think you know from from the staff to the fans and the owners that they, they'll see a consistency from us mm-hmm. Undead was there anything after that Sam Morsi deal about half past nine did no. anything else come across your desk and uh, and pique your interest at all in no. or out no I wouldn't look I, w- I, w- <laughs> I literally would, I, honestly I would I, I, you get drawn you get drawn into making bad decisions. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you and the fans now. I do not like January transfer windows. Um, you know, we've got to set some expectations that this is not a normal transfer window. We will. It has to be something that that is really effective for us to do in January. I think you, January is an area you are you both over you overpay, and you can make the facts fit the emotions in January and bring things in that. You, you stretch and reach for that you don't need and you unsettle the rest of your squad I'm not saying that you don't do business in January but I would always prefer to build a squad in the summer that can get you through that whole season Can we rewind to the start of the, the window then um, or look at the window as a whole did you always feel on pace with what you were doing were there moments where you felt you were behind or ahead um, I know you referenced in your interview with the club last night that Michael O'Leary has been sort of a calming hand on your shoulder at times um, how did you kind of see it pan out over the three months it's a really good question um, I think if you speak to people around the club already they will tell you we work at pace we do early mornings we do late nights you know Paul Cook's passed me at quarter to six a few times in the morning and, and, and laughed um, as I'm going to the stadium and he's going to the training ground and I didn't really think about the, 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 the pace of it. Mike, Mike O'Leary always has a really good saying, with everything we do, doesn't matter how difficult the situation is, Mark, just step through it. Just keep your logic, just keep stepping through it. And he's, he's fantastic. He's, he's a wild, wise old owl. 
um, and he'd probably tell me off for calling him that, but he is, and he's someone that I trust implicitly. Um, and he, you know, each deal that we're doing, I'll talk to him about it, talk through the, the, the do we push a little bit further? Um, do we not do this? This is the context of doing this. And I think it really has been, again, this team effort, and I hadn't even thought about the, you know, and he'd said the 4.8 signings, um, average. I, I hadn't thought of that. Um, that makes me blink a little bit when I look back at it. But we just kept going. We just, and that's all Mike kept telling me to do is just keep going. The guys in the US were fantastic. They were saying the same. You know, we'd, we'd probably talk formally as a board once every seven to ten days, give them an update. And the problem is, every by the seven or tenth day when you're talking to them, the pictures moved dramatically. But they were fantastic. The, the, the board were brilliant. Mark, just be consistent. Just be consistent. Just be consistent. Um, and that's what we did. Does it become easier or harder as, as the window progresses? Does when you sign some players early on, does that make it easier to attract others further down the line? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely, for sure. Particularly when you're asking players to step down. That, that, that is absolutely key when you're asking players to step down. When, when you can, players can see a Kyle Edwards, uh, a Raheem Harper, um, uh, a George Edmondson, uh, a Ch- Chap- I think Chaplin was a, was a tipping point. I think the industry was, because there, champ- there were championship clubs, big championship clubs in the Chaplin and Edmondson. And I think I got a couple of calls from championship C- CEO saying, that's, that's really smart business, good players, good age, good value. Can't believe you've got them to come to League One. And I think once we got to that tipping point, that helped me because we'd still got to convince, you know, your, your Bursons and uh, your Morses, you know, the, the, there has to be a plan for them to join. They have to understand what you're trying to do and what part they're going to play in that. And if they're an isolated part and they haven't seen others drop down to do it, they won't. So, yeah, I, it, it helped getting good quality players in fairly early. And that, that was at the end of July, wasn't it? The same day, I think, you did those two uh, in terms of Connor Chaplin and, yeah. and George Edmondson. So prior, prior to that then, would it, is there, are there ones that maybe got away from you for those reasons that, that you couldn't quite push the vision quite as you, as you would have wanted? Paul said this to me the other day. Paul said, in fairness to you, Mark, he says, you and your team have... I think there's one we missed out on, which is Crooks. Um, and look, we made big offers. Um, he had a championship offer and decided to go to the championship, and I can understand that. Um, but looking back, I think that's probably the only one that the team have not... I could, that I say was, was, a, was a specific target that we wanted, we went for, we didn't get. Outside of that, I... I, I I couldn't name one that we we didn't really go for and, and, and get. You know, I've spoken to you guys, I've spoken to other people over the window. We have lists of names and we're active in the market. You have to be in the game for a ton of, you have to be in the game. That doesn't mean that we are pushing forward on that. Crooks is probably the only one that we, we went for. Um, and, and in fairness, probably Joe Morell. That was well publicised, um, but that was, you know, that I don't put that as an issue with Joe at all. I've spoken to Joe since. We were late to the party on 
on Joe. He was um, at the other football club being medical. When we made our offer, we were too late to the party. And these things happen. So I, I think we've had a good, good strike rate. Carl Edwards is one that people have been really excited by so far. And the common comment surrounding him is how on earth have you managed to sign him in League One? So how have you attracted Carl Edwards to League One? Obviously a lot went on that weekend with, with the Michael Jacobs situation as well. I don't know yep. if you want to talk about that weekend as as a whole and what, and what happens there, Mark? Um, Mike O'Leary has to take um, some of the... Uh, the credit for for Kyle um, from a, because for, again from before I started, Mike O'Leary has watched West Bromwich Albion for a number of years. Again, Kyle Edwards, you've got to get Kyle Edwards, you've got to get Kyle Edwards, and me and Paul are saying, yeah, yeah, we agree, but are we going to get Kyle Edwards? So we made contact with, with with Kyle's family and his representatives really early, um, and I think the reality at that early point. And that's been the way the, win- the window has gone. A lot of players that we've spoken to in those early days would have said, oh, no, we, we're going, having not spoken to us, having not heard our vision for the club, having not met us, would have said that we're going to play in the Championship. But I knew we had a moment in time. This is one of the conversations that we've had with the owners in the US and the investors and the board. We know the market. We're embedded in this market. Um, and this is a market that has not yet recovered from... COVID. Um, so the opportunities for players to go to the clubs at the values they would have gone to previously, I knew just did not exist. That realisation had to drop with agents, players, etc. And I think it took a little bit of time for the market to settle players to understand that. But we, you know, we, I, I always say to, to the staff here, don't worry about what others do. Don't worry about opposition. Don't worry about what other people say about us. Just we just look after ourselves. Let's do the best we can do every single day. We'll be okay. And Carl was an example of that. We just we were consistent and went and, and we were honest and we transparent with we, we, with Kyle and his family. And the day he he, he he signed, he sat here with one of his relatives, and his relative said, "The one thing that you've done that the other clubs who've talked to him haven't done, you haven't moved the deal. You've just been consistent and you've told us the truth." And you've told us how you're going to play, what the deal looks like, why you should come to us. And we were just consistent with it. And we got to a point where they picked the phone up to us and said, we'd like to come and do this deal. And we did it quickly. And the Michael Jacobs situation is just an unfortunate byproduct of that. Is it's, that just, it's, just, it's, just, it's just time. It would be wrong of me to talk about another club's player. Um, um, but it was simply timing and the Carletters was one that we, we had pursued from another one from day one. Any odd requests from, from players sat in this office doing their their deals? Have there been any things that people have, have tried to get out of you to uh, facilitate moves here? Um, oh my word. I, th- I think I had one player request that it was in his contract couldn't put it in the contract that, um, that Ed Sheeran sang at, sang at, sang at his wedding um, um, I think that that probably goes down as the most bizarre one I had Was Ed up for that? Um, his management team were 
Um, <laughs> listen, I have to tell you, a number of the players have all asked me, when, A, when are we going to meet him? And B, can we put it in our contracts that we get to meet him? And I, and I, and I spoke to, um, to Ed's management team when we offered them him the number 17. And I, I was talking through it. They said, oh, you should put it in the contract. Put it in the contract. Don't worry about it. We'll get Ed to do it. And again, they've just been wonderful. It's not in players' contracts. <laughs> I don't think the EFL would accept that one. Um, but there's just... I don't know how you guys feel. I just feel that there's such a positive vibe around the town and around the county and around the club and part of the challenge that myself and my team and the players and the staff have got. We've got to keep that energy going. We've got to, we've got to, we mustn't let this drop. I know results haven't been what we wanted thus far, but performance leads to results. The results will come. We've got too much talent for that not to happen. We, but we've got to get the energy up. We've got to get this place, place rocking. We've got to remove the anxiety from the stadium and we've got to just build for the future. And I think the, the, the positivity that I've felt around uh, the club has just been wonderful. Given Ed's got that number 17 shirt, should we be giving you credit for 20 summer <laughs> transfers here? <laughs> no, I keep telling you, it's not me, it's the we. we there's a lot of people involved in this. Um, but yeah, he, look, he, 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 got, he, he signed. Um, so I'm, I'm, yeah, and, and um, I'm hoping that he, he takes his place on a team photo, rightly so, when we put that together. And you're not going to reveal the identity of this this player that was on. No, I probably no. get I probably get I probably get told off for that. Um, but we'll have we, we we will have a chuckle about that when 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 Ed's here. I'm 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 sure. But that was probably. Yeah, that was one I wasn't quite sure how to answer, to be honest. I think he should do it as well, because these players are walking billboards for his new album and his uh, new tour, you know so what? it seems a fair trade to it's me. It's a great point, and I will tell him you said that. <laughs> I think you've probably answered a couple of these already, actually, Mark, but I was going to ask you the most important deal, not necessarily the, the best player, I wouldn't expect you to nail your colours to the mast on that one, but the most important deal, I mean, you, you almost referenced it, Connor Chaplin as, as a tipping point. Yeah. I was almost thinking Rakeem Harper a bit earlier in the process as being one that attracted others. I, I probably wouldn't... Oh, wow, it's a really good question. Um, every deal is is so 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 difficult. You know, my, my, my family will say to you that in a transfer window, it's really difficult because literally... Every day, I live every com- conversation in confrontation because every, it, it's a mini. The, the deals are always it's like a mini battle within within itself. Um, and to go home and switch off, that's it's really it's almost it's it's almost it's almost impossible. But every deal is so so unique. I think I think the Harper one. Yeah, I, I actually the Harper the, the as I'm thinking back now, the Harper one. I think it was quite emotional for us all to get across the line because we did the deal. I think it's well documented. We, we, we got a deal, the technical director at West Brom left. That deal then slowed down. They were in the process of changing manager. I thought we got him. We thought we got him. And then there was a period where it, it took time to conclude. And again, you know, owners and CEO of West Brom were fantastic in, 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 in concluding that deal. But that just felt like Okay, yeah, we've got a player of real quality, real value, um, and again, he was another player who could have gone to to numerous football clubs, wanted to come to Ipswich. You know, we, we've been quite honest with him and saying, "Look, it's a long way from the Midlands to Ipswich. Are you happy with the location? No, I want to go there. I just want to concentrate on my football. I want to be part of this. I want to lead." So, I, I think the Racks one was 
was was yeah was for me personally quite quite important. Um, the first one was as well because I'd known Wes for for many many years um, when he did have shorter and tidier hair. I must admit, um, which he's been told about. Um, no. How do you know Wes? What's the background there? Well, Wes was I was um, many many years ago. I was a consultant at Bristol City. So I remember um, assisting Bristol and putting, I think it might have been Wes's first professional contract, playing contract together. Um, and I remember having some ding-dongs with his agents in doing that, who've actually gone on to be very good, very good friends. Um, watched his career at, at Bristol. We were then part of the group that bought Oxford United. We took a very young Wes Burns on loan to Oxford United because of our connection with him. Went back to Bristol, um, and Wes had got stuck a little bit, wasn't playing the games, and agreed a deal to sell him. So I facilitated that with him and his family for him to move. So when I came here, and then Paul Cook, in, again in that very early conversation, said Wes Burns, we all looked up and said, okay, yeah, we'll have a bit of that. Um, because we knew the character, we knew how he matured from... Where's the boy to where's the man? You look at him now physically, he's totally different. But I've known him and have a good relationship with him and his family. Um, so that was that, to be the first deal actually, that was was quite was, was quite special. I'm not surprised that Paul wanted a little bit of West Burns. We saw him twice in Paul's 15, 16 games at the end of last season and he uh, caused some trouble, didn't he? Fair to say, Stu, in those, in those two games. Yeah, sure did, didn't he? Yeah, so that, that past relationship, obviously. But he's a great character. He he's, he typifies what we want to sign. He, he's got the, his career's in front of him. He lives his life right. He's hungry. Wants to learn. Wants to develop. Um, good around the place. I, I think Wes, as again, Chaplin. They're, they're 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 just the same breed. You know, Burns, Chaplin, Edmondson. Um, when when you. It's all about what they can bring to this football club, not about what they can take from this football club. How do we take this football club forward? We, we listen. We, we have um, when we sign a player, um, Michael Leary is the chairman of the football club. Emails every every one of them to touch base with them formally when they're signed to introduce himself, welcome into the club, um, and some of the emails that he's received back have been fantastic. We're here to contribute. We're here to take this football club forward. We're here to help get this football club promoted. They've been great. There is, I think they're, they're, they're a breed of player that will serve this club well. Most complicated deal? Is that person? Let me think. Um, I think the last two, the last two were really complicated. Really, really complicated. And at times it was touch and go on both whether contractually we could get all the parties to agree to get them across the line. Um, and I, yeah, they're as difficult a deal. The, the last two are as difficult a deal as I've probably done in my career. Just looking at the, the kind of EFL squad rules here, the, the 22 man senior squad, you, you've built up to it yeah. absolutely perfectly. Was that always in? In the plan, or is that just how it's kind of shaken out that you've absolutely perfectly built the squad to fit into those rules? It, it, no, it's a, it's, it's, it's a daily debate. So we, we would have this every single day, this debate with Paul in his office, with his staff, 
the the squad diagram on the wall, um, and Luke would be in the room. Okay, so if we do, if we, it's like a chess chessboard. If we move piece A, there's going to be a consequence to piece B. There's going to be a decision made there. Are we com- are we confident in the consequence of bringing that player in on that player on the squad number on the budget on the financial fair play numbers? It, it is a moving chessboard. Um, so no, the, there's an absolute plan that we step through. We knew it. We, we always knew and know when we make a decision that will be a consequence. And are we comfortable with that consequence? So yeah, abs- absolutely planned planned through. And you mentioned financial fair play or salary cost management protocol, yep. which is uh, what League One abides by. That sixty percent of turnover on wages is, is your restriction there now. You'll be aware, Mark, that the outside view looking in on this football club is Ipswich are splashing the cash. That's the only way they've managed to persuade these players to drop down and there might be yeah. longer-term financial consequences. Can you allay the fears of anyone listening that yeah. is, is concerned about that at all? Utter rubbish. Um, we, we plan and plan and plan again from a football perspective and from a financial perspective. So, um, we... If, if in League One and League Two you are under um, SCMP uh, rules, in the Championship you're under PNS. It's a totally different set of rules. So, firstly, we understand if we got promoted, we understand what the transition looks like. No problem. I've sat under PNS for the last how many how many years, um, and um, we understand that. We understand the SCMP rules. If we were in breach of the SCMP rules, the league would not let us register the players. They would not be on the pitch. Um, And we're always looking at uh, this two to three years out. So when I sit down with my board and say, right, if we sign the player here, this is the consequence on this year, this is the consequence on next year, this is the consequence if we get to the championship. We plan that, we plan that through. What people seem to forget is we moved out 23 players. Good earning 23 players. Um, and we have bought in a number of millions on player sales. What's, um, the, what's the net spend? I know all the, the fees are undisclosed, understandably, but is it on, break on, even? Is on, it around on, on transfer fees? On transfer we'll, fees. Be, we, we'll be roughly net. Yeah. We'll be roughly net. And that's on the guaranteed money, not on the, the, the add ons on the games and on the promotion and the sell ons, etc. Um, and we, we plan I, I can't you know this is where I almost wish you'd be, I couldn't do it because we, we, we wouldn't get the players but I'd love to have a, a mini camera on my shoulder for, for, for a month so the fans could see what a transfer honestly it'd be the best movie they've ever seen they'd think we were all mad but it would, be, it would be the best movie we, we were, this would have been the summer for the, the Sunderland documentary get the cameras down here from Netflix oh. Well, well, when we came in, we had a we had a couple of people we had a couple of people request that that type of documentary, and I just I didn't I didn't feel it would be the right thing for the football club. Um, we, we we need to be professional, and I think the fans will understand. And I, I can't go back to say this enough. The fans have been absolutely brilliant. Um, the letters of support, the letters, the emails I get from them simply saying, keep going, keep going, keep going. They, they've, been, they, they've been absolutely, absolutely brilliant. Um, um, but you're right, look, it, it has been a summer like no other. 
and at times you want to communicate with the fans and you want to be open but you lose you can't lose that commercial advantage you've got in in the game and look I've said this to you and we I'll be honest with you we've got some difficult discussions coming up inside this football club this football club has got to change there is a reason why this football club has not been successful for a decade and part of that is down to behaviours and I've spoken to you guys over the summer and you've been straight back in everything you've been really honest with us and I'd hope you feel we've been honest with you um, but at times things have leaked out of this football club and at times they have hurt this football club and I'll be addressing that with the, the staff as a collective as we move forward because you can't have it you know, you know we're all working hard at this football club as a collective to take it forward for the fans, for the town, for the county you cannot have people playing games where they think it's smart and clever to, to leak things out and it jeopardise deals. And that's happened in, in this window. And I understand football lives in a, in a media goldfish bowl, but it just cannot. It cannot. It cannot happen. And I think the fans would support me and hope that they would support me in that. And I'm really appreciative of the way you guys uh, and the, the local media and the, and the nationals, in fairness, have, have, have worked because we've all tried to be honest with each other. But we have to be professional because we are in competition to recruit players with all the other football clubs. Um, do you think you could have done any more with this squad to put a squad together this summer? Is there anything that you exit this window thinking, if only we'd, we'd, we'd done something there? That's a good question. Mm-hmm. I, I, I always say my to my 12 year old daughter she would if you said to her if you asked her a question when daddy ranked something out of 10 what's the best marks he would give and she, she would say dad will never give you more than 9 out of 10 why because he <laughs> will always tell you there's room for improvement there's always room for improvement yeah we listen we could have done things differently we could have been more effective I'm sure I'm happy I'm never fully happy because I always think we can do better and I don't think that's about I think the quantity is right you've just talked about the camp and the size of the squad, um, and you know we have to get the balance right because too many men will cause a problem. Um, so I think I'm, I'm happy. Um, look, you go back. We what we will now do over the next week is we will sit down internally and do a formal debrief on the window. What what did we learn? What could have we done better? What didn't we get quite right? Because only in doing that can we prepare ourselves better for the next window and we genuinely will, will do that and there won't be another window like this again no will there? no just to manage expectation no 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 no. I somebody else will have to do it I haven't physically got it, <laughs> got, it, got, it, got it in me no and and that was my worry I think I said this in, that, in our internal comms yesterday that when we went 1-0 down to Morecambe my, honestly my heart and my stomach sank because it was my worst fear and, and I knew I just knew it would happen. When you're delivering change management and this level of change management, it's going to take time. And I'm sorry I'm repeating myself from yesterday. The one ingredient we need to add is time and patience. Give it time and patience. Um, And I think if you look at all the football clubs or the majority of football clubs in the world that are really successful, and there's a difference between having success and sustainable success. Those who have sustainable success have a plan and they give it time. 
um, and we've got to give this time. Now, look, we're, we're all under no illusion. We've got to get the team up and running. We've got to get wins on the board, but give it time. And I think as, as long as we can keep everybody fit, we can keep them on the pitch. Over that period of time, they will come together. We have a really good staff. We have a really good support staff. As everything moulds and gels together and becomes tighter, clearer, um, and works in harmony, the results will come. And we've just got to give it that bit of time. How are the owners feeling about everything? Like you said already, you speak regularly. Are they are they as enthused as they were at the start of the summer? For sure, for sure. And I think look, once now we, now we through the window, you you you're. Uh, that they will certainly be speaking um, and, and and talking directly to the fans. We'll make sure that that's all, all set up. I think in the transfer window, it's just really important that you have one voice um, because things move so so quickly. Um, but we talk daily, weekly, regularly, um, and you know they have been absolutely fantastic. Um, and I, I can't thank them enough. I think you know the club we we can't thank them enough because they've given us the platform here to deliver what we've delivered so far um, but as I've said before this is a long term plan um, can't wait for them to come over they're asking questions daily about the squad about the stadium about community and relationships and that's only going to move going to move forward so yes they're no illusion they are as excited as they were day one and I know we've joked about you Sort of going and having a long lie down and, and relief that the window's finished, but the work doesn't stop for you now, does it? You've stepped through this window, but we've seen you, you're gutting the stadium here. Lots of things going on at Portman Road, which we discussed in our in our previous chat on on a podcast. There's so much more for you to do, isn't there, Mark? What what's next on your priority list? My proper job starts. <laughs> um, um, yeah, the. The business of running the business now 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 starts. You know, we 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 had a team meeting with all of the the, the senior staff yesterday for a couple of hours on the departments, uh, and we will root and branch now. Look at commercial operations, uh, infrastructure, academy, stadium, training ground. Um, IT's already been sorted. There's so much to do. Um, you know, I have again. The, the fans are great. I've got letters to respond to fans that I haven't responded at for a couple of weeks. There's so much to do, but the sequencing of what we do is is key, um, and we have to have a plan in place on that sequencing. Um, and I'll give you an example of that that we were talking about this morning. You know, a number of fans have written to me and said, "Look, the PA systems just not good enough. We can't hear." Totally agree with you, but the reality is the PA system's 20 years old. So firstly, there are no parts that I can go or the team can go and purchase to fix the PA system. And if we were to change the PA system, we have to put huge cherry pickers on the pitch to get to the PA system. The cherry pickers will literally sink into the pitch because they're so heavy and we won't have a pitch to play on. So all of that has to be sequenced. Um, And there are hundreds of things you know, I walked the bars with Mike O'Leary and Luke Waring last week on the concourse level. We've got to address the service that the fans get. We've got to address the fan zone. We've got to address um, you know this, some of the seating in the stadium. It needs it's just not good. It's not good enough. We've got the stadium clean. We've got the stadium tidy. Um, but we've got to we've got to progress in progress in all areas now. Any any other sort of things on on the agenda at all? Um, 
I think yeah one of the th- actually if you wouldn't mind I, w- I would say this to the, to to the local community one of the things that we as I think a lot of people are finding this when you're coming out of the pandemic and you're trying to get people back to work and back in offices etc one of the areas that we are struggling in is staffing so we've got to we need to recruit more stewards we need to recruit more uh, match day hospitality staff and we need to recruit painters and decorators because this is like painting the fourth bridge um, and I would say to, to 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 people in the community that if you're looking for work and you are in those skill sets in the hospitality whether you would like to be a steward if you're a painter and decorator and have got a gap and want work and we've got a variety of contracts on offer whether it's part-time full-time zero hours etc um, could you contact the club um, I think use our customer.service at itfc.co.uk and contact us because we need some help. We, we, need, we need more people in and around. And one of the things I want to talk about as we move forward is recruiting from our local community, purchasing from local suppliers, purchasing local produce. We're a town centre football club. I want things to come from the local community as much as it can because then we can give back to the local community. But we need to settle down now. We need to get our heads down. We need to get on with our work, um, and there's a lot of it to do. Mm-hmm. Pleased the Wickham goes off this weekend. Does that give everyone a chance to just settle down? Yeah, I think. I think. Listen, I think. I think it does. I think it, it allows us to have you know two weeks now of, of fitness work with the players, get one or two up to speed, um, and I think it just allows us to breathe after the window. And I go back to what I said. I've delivered change management programs before and you always go through this period it's 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 difficult but I think what we've I think what we've got to now is a tipping point I think you've got to a big tipping point where you've got a totally I think a different mindset of character that's coming into the organization and that's like a snowball and that will build and build and build and I think it will be the same on the pitch it will get to a point where that snowball will be unstoppable. And if you keep all that quality fit and you keep them organised and playing in the way Paul wants, the club will only go in one direction. There's so much to do. And for me, I'd just like to finish by saying thank you to everybody again. I think the fans have been fantastic. The stakeholders have been fantastic. The people who, the, you know, the former players who've come and seen me and given me advice have been absolutely wonderful. Um, but now it's about the future and we need to work really hard, really focused in all areas of this football club because it's going to take a lot of time and effort and energy to get it back to where it should be. And that's probably the, the perfect way to finish. Mark, Mark Ashton, thank you very much. It's a pleasure. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Mark. Okay, guys, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed that chat with Ipswich Town CEO. Mark Ashton, there's just time to thank our podcast sponsors, Manscaped. Remember, you can get 20% off and free shipping on all your below-the-waist grooming needs by using the code KOA at manscaped.com. And a big thank you to our new sponsors, Never Lost at Home, a musical celebration of Ipswich Town's momentous UEFA Cup victory in 1981. That launches on Thursday, September 16th at the new Wolsey Theatre in Ipswich. Get your tickets now. And look out for a special podcast here in the next couple of weeks where we'll be joined by those involved in the show. Thanks for listening. We'll be back later in the week to look ahead to the Bolton game and hopefully we'll see you then.
crime to football, Brexit to Coatesville. For more great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon. Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.